This is your captain speaking. Welcome to another episode of DJ's Aviation Podcast. All systems are go, so lean back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. This is DJ's Aviation Podcast. Everything aviation. Everything aviation. Aviation news, airline developments, analyzing route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news, and we talk about world events and life. DJ's Aviation has a Discord server that's officially partnered with Discord, and you can join with a link in the show notes or using the vanity URL discord.gg slash aviation. This is the DJ's Aviation Podcast, and now your host, Dan. Well, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time to join me on the podcast. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, I've, I've sort of compiled the questions into different sections. So we have a little bit about your personal life, what you've been doing in the past, the company itself and the future. I want to try and make it interesting for you. That's one of the, the main goals. And I thought we'd start right off the bat to learn a little bit more about you. So anyone that's deciding to tune in and listen and get a better understanding. So before starting the company, what did you sort of do? And I guess from a young age to where you are now, different jobs, different places you've studied kind of. Well, if we go all the way back in time, uh, I'm a tech person and I started out uh, developing software. And uh, I did that as sort of my first career track. Um, and uh, around the, the late 90s, if you will, uh, I headed out to San Francisco, I think like every other able-bodied uh, programmer to join the uh, internet revolution, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it was a very exciting time, of course. Um, and f- for me, it was it was great because there was so much uh, career development and uh, it was really an opportunity for me as I worked for other portfolio companies that were set up by venture capitalists to really learn entrepreneurship. So afterwards, I started my my first company, which was actually a software company. And ever since then, I've been a serial entrepreneur. And I think what is interesting about what I've done is that um, I always am uh, applying technology in interesting ways to disrupt things. Um, what's What I think is also interesting that is abnormal about what I've done is I generally I change industry so I haven't stayed in the software or the tech industry I've been in a number of different industries uh, you asked me about what was my last company my last company was actually in agriculture uh, so you wouldn't normally expect someone to be an agriculture executive and then start a, a, a private jet company and I think to the same extent, you wouldn't expect someone to start an agriculture company uh, when they were previously a telecom executive. But I've done those exact things. Yeah, well, that makes it interesting, doesn't it? Like you said, it's it's never the same thing. And I bet for you, the change of pace, the change of scenery keeps everything moving and you're not stuck at the one thing and you're trying out all different uh, sorts of things in the world. So I definitely resonate there. Uh, absolutely. When you come in fresh to something new, it's really an opportunity to ask questions that may be seemingly dumb questions from others. But when you don't understand it, you ask, you learn, and sometimes you uncover things that no one else saw. Mm -hmm. And we've always been there. We've been the one that have started off, had no idea. And you have to sometimes ask the dumb questions 
to get the answer, even as stupid as going into an airport and you don't know where something is. And it may be to them the dumbest question and you may think so silly, but, and I say this to many people, I guarantee you 5,000 people have asked that same question before you and, and they're not shocked. Um, so to continue on with what you've been doing in the past, a lot of my audience are younger and therefore they're in that part of life where they're probably a bit unsure of where they want to head whether it's aviation, agriculture, wherever it may be. And I guess my next question centers around, for the position you're in today, what would you recommend to someone maybe in their late teens or early 20s? As we know, you can sort of start off at whatever age you wish. How would you say is best to go about that, from the studying to maybe extracurricular activities, if someone wanted to achieve what you've achieved in life? Well, it may be cliche to say, but I think... It's what you're passionate about. It's what you're interested in that should be your motivation. It should not be a pursuit of what others think is a good idea or what maybe is perceived as something that you can do well financially on. I think it is really important to be something that you're interested and passionate about. And I believe that there's probably always a way to make money um, with your passion. Uh, Maybe it's not clear, but... Uh, I think there there is that opportunity, and I think that you know we're only here for a short while, and what we do for work takes up most of our life. So shouldn't it be something that you're passionate about and enjoy? Exactly, you're right there, and I think that message that you've just said probably gets lost a lot of the time when we're younger. Obviously, I graduated high school now well, four years ago, and I know throughout my later high school years that was not the message we were told. And it wasn't just me, it was many other people and I'm sure people that are now in school. It's not about doing something you enjoy, it's probably more so about how does it reflect on the school, your end score and, and the results. And yes, the scores are important and studying and doing, and doing the best you possibly can, but uh, I think that idea of doing something you love does get lost. And when you realise that and work that out, and I'm, as I'm sure you have, it's a beautiful thing to be able to do what you want to do, be happy as well, and feel comfortable with your work. So thank you. I definitely resonate there. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes what you love may not be clear at first. Um, you know, for example, you know, I knew that I, I loved tech and computers when I was young. When I was um, in high school, I certainly already knew how to program. And um, I had this idea that what I could do with that is I could be a programmer as a job but as it turns out you can do a lot with that that doesn't require you to be a programmer as the profession and i didn't understand that until later that what you're passionate about does not necessarily have a one-to-one relationship of what your profession is it turns out that maybe your ability to program and think through those kind of problems may be applicable to other professions that are not paid for writing code Mm-hmm. Exactly. It can and be if you're passionate about that, like for me, for me, what I found out is the reason why I was a good programmer wasn't because I really was proficient with the code or I had mastered the syntax of the language. What made me a good programmer was that I'm a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And being a problem solver turns out to be applicable to everything. Exactly. I mean, there's rarely a situation where that's not, that's not needed in whatever field. 
whether it be gardening, whether it be cleaning the dishes, if a problem arises, it's great to have that skill of being able to solve it. And you're right, it can be applied to absolutely anything. And as a chief executive, I'm sure your days can be quite busy, but I'm also sure that they probably are never the same. What does, in in your best possible words, what does a typical day in the life look like for you? Because I am probably aware, like I said, it can change quite a lot. One day you could be head over heels and then one day it's sitting at your desk or out in the field. Well, I would say that a typical day for me involves having a lot of conversations with a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that is if you were to look at my calendar, one day you might see just a meeting after meeting after meeting schedule and you would say wow you're really busy and then another day you might see zero meetings on it and you might say oh it's a light day and the reality um, is that um, oftentimes the, the the days that i have zero schedule are the ones that are the busiest uh, but in all cases for me at least it is all about talking to people because when you are um, in senior management, your job is really to help your team members execute, be productive, do well. It's about what your team achieves, not what you achieve. And it's the biggest change in mindset that you have to do when you move away from being a, a single contributor uh, to being uh, a manager of a team is, is recognizing that. and. Uh, when you get even further along, like where I am, it's a lot about leadership. It's about inspiring others to do things. Of course. And I'm sure through the years in your different positions, you've learned probably a lot of valuable skills that can be applied to today's work through the years. And you can pass that down to the people you're, that are working under you and so forth. I'm sure of that. Uh, well, it's more difficult than you'd imagine to pass things down, um, you know, but, uh, but yes, I absolutely have learned. I think uh, one of the things that oftentimes we think about is learning uh, how we interact with others on an external basis. Like, how do I uh, achieve this goal of talking to these different types of people? Um, and we forget, I think, that the first thing we need to really get good at is knowing ourselves and who we are what we're good at, what we're bad at, how we communicate, how we think, uh, because um, that becomes the basis of being able to evaluate others and adjust um, to, to maximize the, the benefit that comes from that interaction. Of course, you're right there. Uh, when researching the company a little bit more, the main words have been fractional and ownership. And uh, I would love to learn a little bit more about that as best as you can. I know you probably asked this 5,000 times, but I know there'll be people listening that would be very interested to learn how it works and, and how it's related to your company. Well, sure. So when we think about a private jet, most people uh, would think, wow, private jet's really expensive. How could I afford one? And it's just that. It is really expensive and hard to afford for many people. But by turning it into smaller pieces, we can make those pieces more affordable because most of the time you don't need the jet every day. So if we can divide that jet up uh, and allow multiple people to access that jet at different times, now we've allowed them to afford the utility of it and we've maximized the uses of, of that asset so that it provides a, a great 
uh, economic value to all the participants. Now, of course, the problem is that if you and I decide to share a jet and you want to go on Thanksgiving to visit your family, guess what? I probably want to go on Thanksgiving to visit my family too. How can we overcome that? And that's where having a fleet of jets becomes important. And so if we can sell lots of pieces on lots of different jets and then move people around time-wise onto these different jets that they may not own, we're able to overcome that, that issue of, of high demand on certain days and less demand on others and spread it out across the demand and, of course, the supply of, of the jets. Perfect. And you briefly mentioned aircraft, and that's where I was heading with this. Um, obviously, as an aviation enthusiast myself, I love all things aircraft. I would argue, though, that the private sector is probably somewhere I'm not as familiar with and try my best to learn more a little bit about. So describing your fleet of aircraft, what were some of the decisions behind selecting the planes that you chose to fly? Obviously, there's a lot out there and some of the key decisions are reasons, pardon me, for why. You're absolutely right. And it's actually, it's a great story because when we developed the business plan, we had a good idea of what we were looking for. And so we had a short list of aircraft manufacturers and their particular aircraft that we wanted to look at. So we set up meetings with all of these aircraft manufacturers and scheduled a demo of their plane. And when I got to those demos, it always worked the same way. The salesperson was super happy to see me and couldn't wait to tell me about the performance characteristics of the plane and show me to the cockpit so I could get an experience flying it. And in all cases, what I told them was I didn't want to know those things and I didn't want to fly the plane. I wanted to sit in the back. And they were surprised by that. And, and I think that's very telling that most aviation companies in this space, that's what they want to know. What are the performance characteristics of the plane and what is it like to fly it? Now, of course, you may not have flown private aviation before, but you've flown commercial aviation and all of those things. When you think about your needs for travel, do you worry about the performance characteristics of the airliner or exactly. what it's like to fly? No, you're pretty interested in what it's like to sit in the back. Exactly. No, you're totally right there. Right. And so that's what we're all about is putting our customers first, mm -hmm. right? We're in this business for them. So we need to be focused on what they want and what their experience is going to be are performance numbers important? Absolutely. Do our pilots care about how the plane flies? Absolutely. But, you know, we could have the best flying plane. If it's not nice to, to fly in, we're probably not interested. Yeah. And the last thing you want is just a bunch of benches, people to sit down on, a couple of seat belts. Mm -hmm. It flies well, though. It's got good performance, right. but, the, but it's not too, not too nice in the back. Um, and sticking with that, regarding inside the aircraft, because we're just perfectly flowing now into my next question. Uh, what's on offer to someone that, say, wants to fly with the company from the moment they get to the airport to the minute they get to their destination? Well, one of the great things about private aviation is that you're not typically going to a commercial airport and the gates and all the other things you're, you're used to. Um, your first interaction is with what they call a fixed base operator, or FBO for short. And an FBO is a much smaller building, um, and you know you generally you can drive right up to it, uh, park your car. Sometimes they'll valet it uh, for you, whichever way you want. You get out, you walk in, and a pilot greets you, uh, one of the crew members. And if 
go, they walk you out onto the ramp and you get on the plane and you leave. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like to stop for a bathroom or get a snack or anything like that, you're, you're of course able to do that, but they're ready to take you where you want to go because you've scheduled the plane um, and you've shown up um, when you wanted to fly the plane and they're there for you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the convenience. I recently threw, uh, flew through, pardon me, Vancouver and I had eight and a half to nine hours and I visited every single gate, went to every single restaurant. And obviously, like you said, it's the convenience of just being able to show up rather than having to wait nine hours or a day if you've got a layover in some weird destination. So I can definitely see that. And as for inside the aircraft specifically, what do you offer your customers that are flying on board? Well, um, we, of course, um, have a, a modern uh, aircraft that is nice uh, to sit in. It's a quiet cabin. Uh, it has modern amenities like you would expect, you know, from the simple things like USB ports to charge your devices. Wi-Fi, of course, is an absolute requirement these days. Um, so there's Wi-Fi on board. Um, there's curated snacks and beverages. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. Uh, on our system, we also have, you know, music that you can play for the whole cabin, uh, of course, if, if you're interested in that. Um, but it is an, uh, an aircraft of four seats. So there's, you know, not, uh, not a lot of things to do, um, in the typical like entertainment world, like you'd see on an airliner, because most of the time people want to interact with the, the friends that are on the plane, mm-hmm. uh, or their colleagues or what have you. And that's very easy to do. It's configured in club seating. So everybody is kind of sitting, seeing each other and, um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing I would tell people that's different about private aviation than commercial is you want to talk to the people on the plane. Mm-hmm. That's that's okay. That's the the point. Whereas oftentimes with an airliner, you know, you put on your noise canceling headphones and you kind of suck into your own little bubble away from everything else that's happening and just wait for it to be over. <laughs> no, it's, it, trust me. I'm um, obviously because of the pandemic when I've flown during it, it had the planes granted haven't been as busy so i've not had that problem of someone sitting right next to me but obviously on some domestic flights here within australia i've had that and the first thing i've done if i've seen someone put the earphones in and look to the window because the last thing i want is the person that sits right next to me to be talking to me for the two-hour journey or if it's 15 hours i, I personally am someone that can't deal with that so i definitely got what you mean about noise cancelling in but i'm sure that's very different in the in the private sector like you said it's a different experience altogether commercial everyone's on it everyone's going to the destination that's where we're going but i'd say private is a totally different experience and like you said you want to talk to the person that you're flying with whether it be for business friends whatever it may be um so honda jet they're ever expanding they're always looking at something new and one of the biggest things i've seen is they're looking at bigger aircraft that can fly longer so is this something that you would be looking at potentially have acquiring in the future as you expand the company well, of course, as soon as uh, HondaJet let us know of the existence of their planned uh, additional plane, we immediately placed our order for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we're, we're super excited about that. Unfortunately, it's about four years away. Uh, so we've got some waiting to do. Uh, but um, I think one of the things that people don't appreciate about HondaJet is that 
it's a Japanese company and they bring that Japanese concept of Kaizen to the table, you know, which is continuous improvement. And so if you look at the Honda Jet that is released, what you would have seen is that in just a few short years, and in fact, just in the last 24 months, they've made multiple improvements to that plane. So they are bringing a new plane, but they're also improving the one that they have in meaningful ways. And so you're getting a better and better product and they're incorporating those learnings. And we expect that the the product that they make next will be even better. And that's, that's important, not just with planes, anything. You often see upgrades and you look at it on the surface and even if you deep root look at it, it may not genuinely be worth it. And I think you're right in saying that when a company gets it right and does upgrades that benefit the customer, even as simple as a keyboard or a mouse or a phone, it, it really makes it worth your while over something that has very incremental upgrades that really you could stay with the one thing for so long and have no reason to upgrade. There's no reason actually there for you to invest further. And I can imagine in the private sector, it's even more important that you do get your money's worth for like anything. Uh, and obviously, the aviation industry is huge. It stretches to all corners of the globe, whether it be private or commercial. And uh, I have a question. How do you compete with other private companies? So building upon that, what differentiates you from the rest? And why should someone choose you over someone else? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons to choose a private aviation company. There's different styles uh, out there in terms of business model. So we've talked about fractional. That's one. Not every business in this space does fractional. There's companies that uh, do other models. So if you look at fractional, um, there's even different ways of doing fractional. Some people do fractional based upon the number of hours you fly a year. Some people do fractional based upon certain number of days. Um, in our case, one of the things that's really neat that we do is we don't provide um, any limits to you on how much you want to fly. You can fly with us as little or as much as you want. None of the other fractional companies do that. All of them place limits on your usage. We don't. So that's a key difference. The other side of it is, is that depending on what size fraction you buy, we provide you a revenue share for the usage of the plane. And so what I like to tell people is it's, it's a bit like if you were to buy a beach house and you go to the beach house maybe five times a year, what do you do with it the rest of the time? Well, maybe you hire a management company and rent it out and you earn some revenue on it when someone else is using it. That's essentially what we do here is you bought a portion of this plane and when whenever we use the plane, we provide you um, a revenue share for the revenue that it generates. So in that way, it's it's great. You can fly as much or as little as you want. You buy your share based upon how much participation you want in the revenue share. And those two can work together as a way of offsetting some of the costs, right? Because for example, if you go to a beach house every week, you know, versus once a year, you could imagine that the beach house would seemingly be a lot more expensive. But if you're renting it out the whole time, it probably doesn't matter how much you use it because it's always being used. No, of course, you're right. Especially that beach house analogy is probably perfect as I'm sure people have other sorts of properties sometimes. And I know growing up, we had people that I knew that had their beach house and they would only use it two, three weeks. But the other time, it'd be renting it out and that's another income, income stream type of thing. And like you said, even if you're using it three weeks, that's fine. 
because someone else is likely going to be using it or multiple people for the duration while you're not in there. Um, 2022, it's a big year. I've had a look at some of your other interviews and it's been earmarked as quite an important one. Where do you expect the rest of the calendar year to go for the company, um, especially as the industry continues to recover in, in different forms? Well, uh, we're doing extremely well this year and we expect that to continue to to uh, grow very, very quickly. We expect to do very well. We've got a number of Honda Jet deliveries coming. So we're going to continue to expand our fleet and our company size. We've also expanded geographically. We're now have a base all the way out on the West Coast. So we provide a complete, you know, nationwide coverage. Um, and, you know, we've, we're also taking people to some international destinations. The Honda Jet's not a a plane that you would go like transatlantic or really long places. It doesn't have that kind of range. Um, but, um, you know, the, a very typical kind of use for the plane is to do one and a half hour missions. And we're doing a lot of those kind of missions all over the country. And people are really, really enjoying that. So I think that um, what I've seen at least is that uh, the market uh, sort of post COVID has changed to be a more emphasis on personal travel and i think people are much more interested in experiences and seeing people um not just people in masses but people that they know yeah Uh, so we we've got retired grandparents that just want to go visit their grandkids Mm -hmm. and you know that's what they're doing now um you know we've got uh, people who actually live in a different city than they work and they commute because that time when they're not working, they want to have a better experience. You know, so there's a lot of interesting things that are happening out there. And I think people have taken a step back and asked some important questions in their life. Is this where I want to live? Is this where I want to work? What do I want to do with my spare time? How do I maximize my time? And because of asking those questions, they've come up with answers that often involve leveraging private aviation to help them with that of course and uh i think you briefly touched on it you explained how you had some grandparents you had people wanting to see each other and i think that's the beauty of aviation it's not just the private it's commercial it's everything it's that everyone has a story everyone that jumps on board one of your aircraft has a different story someone they want to go and see whether they've been apart or haven't been able to communicate or they just want to experience go to work you know it's a story and i think that's what makes aviation so beautiful and interesting Um, The pandemic was a big thing for the industry, and you've touched on how well the company's been doing this year and how well it's going to continue to do with such rapid growth, but I obviously am aware that the company's quite new. Did you have any sort of challenges when you launched? Uh, I know you launched last year, but at the end of the day, you could say that was still in the midst of a pandemic, not as bad as 2020, but definitely it was in the middle of the pandemic. And I guess, were there anything that maybe deterred you from launching when you did, or was it just smooth sailing because of maybe the area you're in? Sure. So we were planning this company before we launched. Obviously, that's what one does. And uh, we were in the middle of a pandemic, and there was absolutely no reason to delay launching the company because of the pandemic. Quite the opposite, actually. All the data became quite clear that the market has changed and it's changed in a way that um, is wonderful for us and many of the other aviation companies in that 
there's incredible amounts of interest in travel and incredible amounts of, of, of demand on private aviation. What I tell people that I think is interesting statistic is if you look at pre-COVID private aviation usage and you look at it today, the usage is higher than it ever has been. Um, but the mix of the usage has completely changed. Pre-pandemic, the vast majority of the missions were business and it was minority was uh, personal. Now the majority is personal and the minority is business. And you've heard business travel hasn't come back yet. Well, that's absolutely true, but there's more personal usage than there ever has been, which means when someone asks the question, is this gonna be the new normal? The answer is no, it's gonna get even bigger because business travel is going to come back. And the reason why I tell people business travel is gonna come back, it's not that I don't like Zoom or uh, Google Meet like uh, we're on right here. It's that uh, humans inevitably like to be with each other. And um, you know, there's definitely a place for video conferencing, but there's uh, a big place for in-person meetings. So I think that's always going to be the case. Of course. It's it's totally different. I mean, you you do one thing on me, you don't do it. You, you see the differences. And like you said, it can be very helpful for like what we're doing today now. But also, it's a totally different experience being able to do that in person. And that goes for anything, whether you've got to, unfortunately, how we've probably done in the past two years, meet with loved ones online rather than seeing them in person. And uh, that's just only a small percentage of all the things we think about, whether it be conference calls, business meetings. There's so much. And you're right by saying that eventually we are going to need to go back to that kind of thing. But this will still have a place and still be useful, I would probably argue as well. The last two questions are probably uh, more intriguing ones, with the last one being a bit of more of a fun one directed towards you. Um, by 2030, it's it's a long time. It's also not a long time, especially in the aviation world, because you're planning. Right. You're planning for the next 20 years. You're planning so far ahead. Like you said, you can't just launch the the company on a whim. Otherwise, that would probably not go according to plan. So by 2030, at the turn of the next decade, where do you see you being? Is it in terms of fleet bases, general people flying? Are there goals you have for the next decade you wish to achieve? Well. Uh you know, I'll break out my crystal ball here because that's pretty far into the future. It's uh, it's not been so accurate over the years, but uh, you know, I'll try my best. And that doesn't have you to know, be. One of the <laughs> one of the jokes in aviation is that the only thing fast in aviation is the planes, right? So it's a very slow to change industry. So I think with that in mind, what you're going to see is a lot of the same things seven years from now that you, or eight years from now that. Uh, that we're seeing now, um, just more of it. Um, so will there be some new airplanes? Absolutely. Are we going to be in a fundamental difference where there's air taxis that take off and land vertically and instead of Uber, that's, that's not going to happen. Right. So, so as far as, uh, we are concerned, um, we expect to grow our feet, uh, our fleet immensely. Um, we would like to, uh, have, um, you know, a hundred planes, uh, in the next five years. So, uh, you know, as we look even further out, we would expect to have even more planes, uh, than that. Uh, and we, we expect to have a very, uh, large, uh, customer base that, uh, has diversified needs that we're, we're taking care of, but in a way that is, um, modern and efficient, 
which I think historically private aviation has often been seen as inefficient, both inefficient in terms of its carbon footprint and fuel usage and things of that nature, but also inefficient in terms of like financially, it just costs a lot. It's a big luxury. And I think the key thing that we're bringing to the table is those efficiencies, right? The Honda jet is one of the most efficient planes in terms of fuel um, in, in the world, but also by getting the right plane, namely a four passenger plane for the mission where we're improving efficiency in a number of ways, including financial. Of course. Um, and the final question, a bit of more of a fun one to you that someone from the community asked, and when you're not flying private, because I'm not sure if you mainly fly private given the company, uh, do you have a favorite airline that you fly and a favorite cabin product on offer in, in your spare time or maybe in the past that you've flown where it's really stood out to you? Sure. Well, uh, I'm originally from Atlanta, uh, so uh, historically most of my commercial flying has been Delta. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, um, when I'm not flying private or flying myself as a pilot, I do uh, go to Delta first, probably before anyone else, just as Atlanta person that makes sense. Um, you know, Delta seemingly is a, is a good domestic airline here. Uh, but having traveled a lot internationally, they're not my favorite. Okay. Um, I think my favorite is Emirates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they, uh, they do a great job. And, you know, um, I often uh, would, would leverage Emirates to go uh, places other than the Middle East just because they, they do such a, a wonderful experience. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Emirates. I've personally not had the chance to fly them. I have flown Delta, though, and I think I've had mixed a mixed reaction. I personally enjoyed my Delta long haul, but I've got parents who flew them who were not too fond of it. So I'm not sure how it is domestically. I've never had the chance to do, but I think it can be almost hit and miss depending on the day. And obviously when it comes to the product, it can then either be always a miss or always a hit. So yeah, but Emirates, I've heard a lot of good things about. Yeah. And what's interesting with, at least from my perspective on Emirates is the experience in the A380 is superior to that in the 777. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I think about how much I like Emirates and how much I like Emirates better in the A380, it's, it's sort of disappointing to know that they're not making them anymore and that plane is going to go away. You're, you're totally right there. And I think that's why you see so many airlines label it as the flagship, especially Emirates. And having flown the A380, I get what you're saying. You have the newer jets, you have like the 787s, the 350s, but the A380 is a totally different experience. And um, especially flying at long haul, I've flown it from Australia to London, obviously with the stopover, and it felt so big and expensive, it didn't almost feel like I was just on a plane, and that sounds weird, but it, it did genuinely feel like that. So it's a shame they're not making it, but I think it's great that we at least have the opportunity now to fly it, at the very least, and be able to experience it. And like you said, when you then fly another aircraft, it's a bit of a shock to the system, just how different it is. So, yeah. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer, Matt. I wanted to thank you, though, very, very much for the time and sitting down with me today to chat. It was very interesting and also intriguing to learn more about the private sector. As I said, it's not an area I'm the most knowledgeable on, so you've definitely shed a lot of light about what the trends are and where everything's heading. So thank you very much for taking the time. Well, I certainly enjoyed it and look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Perfect. Look forward to speaking to you as well. All right. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation. We discuss aviation news, airline developments, analyze route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and leave a review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter and YouTube at DJ's Aviation. If you're interested in rail, check out our second channel at DJ's Transport. Till next time.